You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, the host and founder of Seeking Excellence Podcast. And I'm joined today with two of my new friends that I hope to become closer with over the coming years, uh, the Dimmicks. Clay and Kat, how are you? We're good, Nathan. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. Very excited to have you guys. And, you know, Clay, I know you've listened to a couple of the podcasts before, um, and we've had some great conversations via Instagram and and just kind of have really admired your story. And obviously you just talking about our mutual friends, uh, Mike and Kelly Solomon as well. Uh, so we oh, just like yeah. to give a shout out to them and the, the role that they've played in our lives, man. Mike was huge for me. He was my guy who got me involved in focus in college. And so, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he played a major part in my conversion of my conversion of heart. I was already Catholic by the time I met him, but um, definitely helped me to be a, a better one for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Us, us, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a great he's a great man, and Kelly Kelly too. Kelly's really awesome. I actually just got to catch up with her last week on the phone for stuff oh, for yeah. Hallow. Yeah, man. So I'm excited. You know, I I don't know too much about your guys' story, but I really just took a took you know took a leap and it was just like I feel like we can have a dope conversation about <laughs> your journeys to the church, and so I'm excited to hear more about it today. But we'd love to just open it up to whoever you know wants to kind of go first and just kind of leading off with with how you guys both came to entering the church yeah um kat and i were talking about this before and i think we both came to the conclusion that it would be smart if i start off because it kind <laughs> of leads into her story um so i grew up in a christian home um i was adopted from two weeks I, I was two weeks old when i was adopted and my parents who adopted me uh loved the lord with all their heart they're just not big fans of the Catholic church. I'd say my dad actually was Catholic. Um, and he left the church. Um, and my mom, um, I love her. She's awesome, but she's not really huge on Kat and I being Catholic and now our son, uh, being baptized Catholic. So, you know, there's, there's been some bumps in the road with that. Um, but yeah, I think they did give me a good foundation for my faith and to believe in Jesus Christ and who, who and who he is. Um, but then it, when I made the decision to go play soccer at Belmont Abbey, I strictly made the decision to go play soccer. Like I was like, why are there monks here? I didn't even know monks were real. I thought monks right. were removed. Like, I thought this all was like, 
different idea and i was like this college is catholic like i thought catholics and <laughs> i'll probably have to face the lord at some time with this but i thought catholics were real boring real robotic and like outdated um and i was so naive and like had no idea what to even think um <laughs> so then fast forward a little bit and um i had a great experience at the abbey not just on the field but off the field like shaping me into the man i am and the coach I had at Belmont Abbey, his name is Coach Keating. He was actually my best man and is now uh, Callum's godfather. Wow. Uh, and him had a good relationship and still do. And I remember one night I was at his house and I finally asked him, like, what makes Catholics different than where I go to church on a Sunday? And like I was bouncing around churches. I was going to like a Methodist church or um, non-denominational churches, just wherever I like could get to on time if I wanted to get to on time on, on a Sunday, you know, how it went. And so um, I finally asked him and he was like, well, honestly, I'd say the two biggest differences were, were are the Eucharist and Mary. And so I was kind of like, Oh, okay, let's start with the Eucharist. And he started talking about it. And I was like, Whoa, that, that is a huge difference. And I was like, hold on. You mean like communion? Like, Oh, we grew up doing communion on special occasions at sure. And he's like, yeah, but it's kind of different. So we started to go in depth in how um, Jesus told uh, at the last supper, he was like, hey, this is my body. This is my blood. And I'm I'm giving it to you guys. And this is eternal life. Like, this is the gift I'm leaving behind for my church. And I was kind of blown away at the time. I was like, wow, that's a lot to handle. And he put it into perspective. Like, Jesus can enter into all these these different forms for us. Like, do you think that Jesus could be a white squirrel out in the backyard? And I was like, I mean, if he really wanted to be a white squirrel, he could be a white squirrel. Like he can be anything. <laughs> so it's not too far off to think that he can give us his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist every single mass. Right. And I was like, no, not really. And I was kind of like mind blown. I was like, what am I doing wasting time and not receiving his body and blood every chance I get. So then I like talked to him more and more and, he was talking to me about Mary and how the love Mary has for us is like more than any mother on earth combined, like all the mothers on earth. And that hit home too. Cause I'm like, I'm adopted and like had just met my birth mom and my, I know my mom since forever. And it's like these two mothers love for me combined doesn't even get close to what Mary feels for us. And right. so I was just even more in awe of that. And like, it kind of took away the perception of, like worshiping and bowing down to Mary is just more of like Mary, being reverent in the fact that Mary loves you as her own. And, you know, that was kind of like another wake up call. So then I left the next day to head back to Atlanta. It was, a, I think it was like a Thanksgiving break or something, or it was actually a um, winter break. And he gave me a Scott Hahn CD and the Scott Hahn CD is called the fourth cup. And mm. it talks about last supper and, um, and the Eucharist in like detail. And then in uh, John six, when Jesus says like, this is my body and blood and amen, I say to you. And I remember in the CD, Scott Hahn was going in depth about how Jesus was saying like, amen, I say to you. And it, he made me think like, do you think Jesus would be saying amen, I say to you after he says such a profound thing, if he didn't mean it, like, do you think he's just being wishy-washy on this? at that moment i had to pull over on my way home and i was like this is what jesus is calling me to do like he wants me to be in his church this is like the church he left for us this is the truth and the fullness of the faith and i think i was only seeing like just like a snippet of the faith through all these years of my life and 
um, now I can like really realize the true um, one holy church that Christ left for us, which is the Catholic church. And so I went back after winter break and Easter week came up and uh, I was like, Hey, I don't want to wait around another year to enter the church. Like Easter was when everybody was entering at the church I was going to um, with the keys of Gastonia. Right. And so father told me like, okay, we can fast track you. And he gave me a couple of books to read. Um, one he wrote on the mass and was explaining the mass and how all of it is so um, tra- like rooted in the Bible and rooted in tradition. And it dates all the way back to the last supper and all the way back to um, the popes. You can trace all the way back in like the apostolic succession. And um, I learned all about that and just got fast tracked. And I was confirmed on Corpus Christi in 2018. So this would be my fourth year anniversary. And then, uh, yeah, so I was, uh, confirmed and had my first communion on Corpus Christi. And, uh, yeah, after that, after that, I told myself, like, while I was joking around with Coach Keating, I was like, now I kind of have, like, it has to be a Catholic wife, huh? (laughs) (laughs) So that's when, uh, cat story can kind of take over, but yeah, that's how I entered the church and. I guess I'll let her take over from here. That's amazing. First, I just want to say, I think it's really, I feel like you made yourself sound older than I think you are when you talked about getting a CD on the way home. Oh. <laughs> you know? The yeah. car we have now still has CDs, and, like, I would be so sad. The car we had before this didn't have yeah. CDs, and I was, like, really sad about it. So I still have, like, a whole stack of CDs, Lighthouse Catholic CDs in the car. <laughs> That's so funny, man. I had a really dope one from Alan Hunt. I remember that was really impactful for me. Uh, but yeah, it was just so funny to hear you say that he gave me a CD, not like he sent me a podcast to listen to or a YouTube video yeah. or something. It's all like tangible, like you can hold it. Yeah, that's hilarious, man. Well, great. Kat, I'd love to hear you go from there. Yeah. Um, so are we just doing the conversion story? and then? Oh, I guess we figure out how we met first, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, take us back a little bit. Yeah, uh-huh. we'll we'll go back a little bit, and this is kind of where we'll go back and forth, I guess. Sure. And then our I'll, story. <laughs> they're a little bit, you know, all over the place. But um, and then I guess at the end I can kind of talk about my conversion story. That's but great. um, so I I will give a background of myself. I grew up in a large family. I have eleven siblings, so I was one of twelve. Um, not Catholic, did not grow up Catholic, but we were in a very Christian home, conservative home. Um, a lot of love in the house. We were hard workers, all this kind of stuff. Everyone played sports. Um, so when I went to college, I actually, for my first year, went to Montreat College up in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, played soccer, was super involved um, with you know youth groups and worship nights and everything. And then I decided that I wanted to leave and go to a different school, higher level of soccer, and then a better education program because I wanted to be a teacher. Um, And the summer right before I went to Belmont Abbey, um, I was working with the Charlotte Eagles, which both of us have been involved in before. And they mentioned Belmont Abbey. And I was like, I've lived 30 minutes away from Belmont Abbey for however many years. And I've never heard of this college. Like, what are you talking about? So I went and toured with my dad and fell in love right away. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a beautiful place. And then my coach jokingly said, like, if you see a monk on campus while you're touring, you automatically go there. (laughs) So 
and I did see one. So I went. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I, that was 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so Clay and I met through soccer, but at the time he was actually dating my teammates. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I did not think about boys at all. I was worried about school. I had work. I had a couple jobs that I was working. I was commuting at the time. So I was like, I'm not worried about boys at all. Um, and then, you know, our friend groups hung out a whole bunch. Um, and then obviously I knew the Keatings through soccer and everything. And I want to say it was the year you were going into the church, 2018. Um, I was trying to fast track college. Um, and I guess you can take it away while I grab the baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we actually got connected. Um, a lot of people try to play matchmaker between us. Um, but we just, well, I was, I was like all for it. I was like, yeah, play matchmaker. And I had, uh, the relationship with the other girl from Belmont Abbey had ended. So I was like, yeah, play matchmaker. Like, and Kat was like, no, I'm not interested in him at all. So like three times she shot me down. She said, I was, <laughs> I'm going to say this right. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so we had gone on coffee dates a couple of times. None of us, like neither of us drank coffee, but you know, somehow That's we always did. <laughs> yes. yes <laughs> so we would go and every time I was like, oh, he's just like a good friend, but he thought it was more. And I thought he was shorter than me. And so I was like, I can't, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I want someone way taller than me. And yeah, so I thought he was shorter than me. And with the red hair, I just wasn't sure if I was into red hair. I was just a brunette type person. So it, it did take me a little while. I was super superficial. Um, yeah, God, God worked at my heart for sure. <laughs> yeah is he uh, clay are you shorter than her is that is that accurate good bit taller i was like when she told me that i was like cat are you serious like i'm a good bit taller than you like how is that ever in question she's like oh i don't know (laughs) and like then the yeah she just yeah and then so i thought like okay she's actually feeling it like you know the, the good the vibes are good she was inviting me to this concert that was like a really intimate concert there was only like 40 people in there and then the next day she was like yeah, you know, I just, like, we're friends, that's that, and I was like, what, like, <laughs> you just took him to this concert, yeah. but anyways, like, maybe three, three, uh, how do you call it, like, rejections later, yeah. she approached me, and was like, hey, I kind of made a mistake, like, I, I really, she was like, I really like you, and I don't want to stop hanging out, okay, bye, <laughs> and then after that, like, we never stopped hanging out, yeah, and got married, so, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> great success Um, story yeah but when i when we started dating again i I told her um hey i don't want to be too uh like upfront, but at the same time like i need to stay true to my morals and values and like what i believe as a catholic and um the wedding has to be in a catholic church if we were to go forward and get married and also like our kids i have to raise them catholic like that's my obligation um and so i wanted to be upfront with her in the dating phase and to see so that was pretty early once you guys kind of went yeah. to dating yeah, and you shared that yeah because i didn't want to we i didn't want to waste her time i didn't want to waste my time and this was only like a couple weeks after dating and i said hey yeah. we shouldn't really go any further before we discuss this because we knew we were really serious and um i mean we didn't get a- engaged until like eight months later but at the same time we needed to discuss that so then 
after I asked her that and she was like, oh, no, like I'm not opposed to a wedding in the church and I'm not opposed to raising our kids Catholic. Um, she told me, but I can't promise I'll become Catholic, uh, but I'm not opposed to that. And that was the only answer I needed because I think like the the Lord will work if she was she had an open mind, open heart. And then you can yeah. hold him while okay. you tell this part. Um, this is little Callum, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. His first podcast appearance, I hope. So, <laughs> what an honor um so yeah when we like early on dating he asked me that we were driving and because I grew up in a Christian home like when he said raising kids in the church like in my head I was like that's a no-brainer like it doesn't matter my family we bounced around different denominational churches um so like yeah of course I want our kids raised in the church um didn't didn't know exactly what I meant by that (laughs) He meant capital C church, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I told him, I said, yeah, like that doesn't bother me and I can't promise I'll ever be Catholic, but I'm willing to learn more about it. Um, And at the time, so I had been going to Forest Hill church, um, which is a, a, it's under elevation, but it's still a pretty big church uh, Mm, in Charlotte. Um, And I was there for about like maybe three years or so. And at the time we started dating, um, I was going to mass with him every once in a while, but then I still was pretty strong about my church of like, I really am super involved in my church. And then the pastor was about to leave. And I was like, why? And and because he was leaving, there was such a big explosion in the community of people like being angry or, you know, bashing him, all this stuff back and forth. And I was, I kept wondering like, why? do churches keep splitting up? Cause we find out later that this pastor is going to start a new church. And I'm like, why, why is there so much division? This is so frustrating because this is the first church that I've been a part of where I felt at peace. I felt at home and now it's getting split again. This is ridiculous. Um, and so obviously I was going to mass with clay every once in a while, but I really didn't want him to be the influence of like, me becoming Catholic. So I was like, Hey, I'll ask you questions and stuff, but like, I need other people in my life to like talk to about this. So, uh, the Keatings were, were a big, uh, family that both of us, uh, went to. And then, um, the McAllisters, um, Brittany was my sponsor when I was entering the church. Um, and those families, we all, and even the Solomons, we would hang out with them. Mm-hmm. So being able to talk to those women who, you know, are married, have children who are very deep in their faith. And yeah, I just kind of learned a lot about the church. And my biggest things were my dad grew up Catholic as well and left the church. Um, and my mom, she grew up Mennonite um, and left that church when she was in high school. So we, we were always going to random and different churches. So I never really experienced like, oh, this is the one church. Um, and I didn't realize that Catholic meant like, what did it mean? Universal. (laughs) Universal. (laughs) Um, and I was like, whoa, this is like really crazy that when we are having mass, like we're all reading the same readings. So that was like mind blowing for me. Um, and that really got me interested. So I started RCIA classes and obviously we were talking about, you know, marriage and I was like, I don't want to wait so long to enter the church. Like I, I know that 
I want to be a part of this. Um, so yeah, and I was able to thankfully fast track as well with the Keating's help, um, Father Rossi in Gastonia and um, my sponsor, Brittany McAllister. And, you know, listened to formed videos, was reading certain books, and obviously like met weekly with the RCIA class and then also with my sponsor. And um, I honestly kept it kind of secret. I didn't tell a lot of people because... I didn't know how they were going to react. Um, I very much throughout my life have been a go off of feelings. So like, if I feel like this church is my home then like, yes, I'm going to be a part of this. Or, yeah. And I, mm. I was just sick of that. I was like, I don't want to just base everything off my feelings. I've been told that growing up too. Um, I want, I want this to be something that's more than just Ooh, the, all the feelings. <laughs> um, right. So yeah, talking with Clay about it. And there, there was a specific moment when I, the church thing that I was going to prior to going to mass, I was just getting so fed up with it. I, I went on a weekday and just sat in the chapel at St. Patrick cathedral and it was so quiet and so peaceful. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm. <laughs> why have I been fighting it or thinking that this is crazy? Um, because growing up, I similar to clay was like, Ooh, Catholics. <laughs> no, right. Yeah. They're, they're weird or they're, you know, living a lie or all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that was kind of my conversion. And then I ended up, um, we got engaged in January of 2020 and then mm -hmm. I entered the church uh, May actually on Pentecost Sunday, oh, wow. um, which was very cool. Um, and it, we ended up because of the whole pandemic, it was actually a mass outside. Oh, I was wow. the only one yeah, getting confirmed. It was, yeah, it was a very special and unique circumstance, but, um, definitely had backlash from fam my family. And yeah. that was tough. That, that was probably the hardest part of me, like, deciding to become Catholic was my family. Um, but I just knew this wasn't like a feelings thing. This was, I yeah. had done behind the scenes and maybe that's what made it so hard for people because I did a lot of it behind the scenes, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's dope. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I took enough notes and, and pointed enough things out, like in both of your stories, I feel like I could give a two hour long podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me so many things to think about uh no that's awesome i think uh yeah one, one thing you know it's like fresh on my mind after you just saying that cat is it's amazing how with a lot of protestants you can become any other type of protestant but the idea of becoming catholic is always like the it's the forbidden fruit you know it's like the one that's like massively off limits and it's amazing to me how few people ever take the time to think about that you know uh, especially Protestants. I mean, how few Protestants take the time to think about that. I think as I get more and more Catholic, you know, I've been Catholic now for 15 years. Um, I think coming up on 16, like this April, May, I don't remember my exact date. I was 13. I didn't, you know, write stuff down very well back then and keep a good, good notebook. Um, I don't think anybody else remembers. So, uh, but I just, as I get more and more Catholic, you know, like I just, it, it's, it's hard for me to imagine people being Protestant you know, and like yeah. making sense of it, if you're actually looking for the truth, or if you're actually settled. But I think 
uh, or I mean, if you're not just like settling for what you know, you know, and like in that familiarity. Yeah, I completely agree. We actually um, had a conversation about this the other day. I think it's it was either from your podcast or Father Reed's podcast. Um, and it was talking like if you do any bit of research as a Protestant, any bit of history research, uh, you better like have a really, really, really good excuse to not become Catholic. Because if you do a tad bit of research of yeah, who the Catholic Church is and where the Catholic Church comes from and the history behind it, there's no denying the truth. And I think it's so true is as Kat and I uh, grow more and more in our uh, Catholic faith, the same thing and the same thoughts come over us as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild, man. Yeah, that was a story. That was a, a quote that actually came to me from a Protestant chaplain in the army yeah. in Afghanistan. Right. Yep. And he, he, yeah, he said that to me and I was just like, man, like that makes so much sense. Uh, it really is crazy. I, there's also the great quote that says, you know, that well-formed Protestants become Catholic and poorly formed Catholics become Protestants, you mm-hmm. know, it's one of my favorites. And that's how you see, you know, Kat, you mentioned elevation and forest Hills. And I had my own, uh, phase, Clay, you might remember this from that podcast of like really listening to elevation a lot and like yeah. was really, drawn towards it and Kat I'm interested in your perspective of one of the things that made me stop listening to Stephen Furtick was I feel like they never got to the difficult topics and ironically like as I was previously like pretty liberal when I was in high school and early college and as I was becoming more conservative especially around things like pro-life and marriage um, I was really frustrated with such a big prominent speaker especially claiming to be a man of God and a leader of God and leader of a church never addressing those topics. Yeah. So did you ever notice that or like feel any type of way about that? Or do you feel like the, yeah. you just kind of separated them? So I think a lot of people separate politics and church. Uh, too yeah. Much. No, I, I agree. I, I noticed that with David Chadwick, for me, the one of the big reasons why I went there was he told a story. He would have a couple of verses, but then he would tell a story. So it's yeah. very easy to understand, but it wasn't ever very hard topics similar to what you're saying. Right. And that, yeah, that, that was kind of frustrating too. And I I was a big journaler. Like I would journal every single like Sunday Mm -hmm. and have all this stuff, but it was never from like listening into all of his stuff. It was more like, you know, what was going on in my head. Kind of praying. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they rarely get to the hard points. And one thing I remember before we got married, my sister actually asked me growing up, we never worried about like contraception stuff like my mom never oh yeah kids and clay i think actually got a book from kimberly han or maybe it was a cd yeah it was a book from kimberly han yeah and it was about pro-life and so i read it and i remember just thinking like all my life i've already been living this like Mm. i why did i not why was i not told that this is a catholic viewpoint i mean we're told it's a point but this is like so strong is like such a strong point in the Catholic church and yeah pregnant and after giving birth and everything like that has been one of the biggest things on my heart is like contraception and all of that and natural family planning all of those things that's never brought up in other churches it's and it's always like take care of yourself like yeah yeah self-love yeah yeah Yeah. self-love Yeah. And it's interesting. And I think that's one of the challenges though, when you have a church that you say is so Bible-based 
that just neglects and ignores tradition, right? When you have no ability to like continue to adapt, adapt, not even just adapt or change, but to like, you know, I love, I think it's in Persuasive Pro-Life by Trent Horn, where he talks about the church was always against abortion. It just never had to like manifest that teaching. It never had to like express that teaching before abortion was like mainstream, right? right. Before abortion really became a thing. Or like the, the church was always against, you know, transgenderism, you know, or gender theory, but we never had to like, you know, express that so clearly and like make it dogma um, because it was not challenged before. And so there's like, it's not really an adapting, growing and changing. The world wants the church to adapt, to grow and change, to be more like the world, but it's really not a changing. There's this everlasting truth that just, you know, kind of gets more and more revealed over time. Um, and some of which was revealed centuries ago that we can go back and look to in letters and other writings and great saints and doctors of the church, fathers of the church, um, that Protestants just don't have. And so like, when you look at contraception solely from a biblical standpoint, like, how do you, you know what I mean? Like justify being for or against it, you know? Yeah. It didn't exist back then. So you can't really justify yeah. that. And that's what was crazy to me was that the church at a certain point, and I can't remember history and dates. History is not my <laughs> strong suit. Sure. I'm still learning. But, yeah, you're still fresh. You're still fresh for sure. Yeah, especially, I mean, you're coming up on two years, Kat. So uh, we we can't uh, hold you accountable yet. You get a good, I think you get a good five to 10 years before we get to start citing you. Okay. And, yeah, quoting sources. <laughs> um, but I remember like when I was joining and the contraception piece was such a big thing to me, especially with about to get married and all of this. I remember them, uh, I can't remember who I talked to about it, but they said, Oh, at this certain point in history, the church, like, I don't know if they said allowed abortion or if they said that, like, now they encouraged women or they weren't as strict with it. I, I'll have to go back and look at that. But I remember just thinking so strongly, the church said that or the church was OK with that. Right. Baptist, it may have been Presbyterian. I'm not sure. But I was just like, wait, why? Why would the church say that that's OK? Yeah. It didn't make sense. And yeah. So. And you see that today. And I think a lot of denominations are going to be dealing with that a hundred years from now, if they ever do return to normalcy is you see like Methodists and Lutherans, like arguing and fighting over same sex marriage and abortion and all kinds of things, gender theory, critical race theory, all that kind of stuff. And so I think it's interesting, you know, I think you hear a lot of Protestants, you guys obviously interact with a lot of Protestants, I'm sure coming from families of Protestants of like, I, I've always heard like you're more, you're more orthodox, or I think more serious Protestants will often be like, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about it? And if it's not in the Bible, like, I don't want to hear it. Or don't teach that. Like, we have a pastor who teaches from the Bible. I go to a Bible church, right? But it's just so interesting. Like, you never think of, you can also use that to justify a lot of things and really yeah. tailor Christianity to yourself because the Bible just leaves out so much stuff, you know? Yeah. And I always say that to people. I'm like, the half the time, I think, when I've talked to Protestants about becoming Catholic, like the, one of the things that is a huge obstacle to them is that it's harder and people don't mm -hmm. want to recognize that and like accept the fact that it's just, it's natural family planning is harder than, you know, I mean, obviously it has huge, beautiful fruits and there's greatness to it. Um, and I'm not trying to downplay the beauty of it, but it's more yeah. difficult than, than just living a contraceptive abortion, you know, minded life or, uh, you know, being called to chastity. If you're same sex attracted is, is harder than, than just living however you want and going to elevation on Sunday. You know, like it's just, it's always a higher calling as men. We're like called to discern the priesthood as women to potentially discern religious life. 
there's no threat of that if you go to elevation you know like you can go become a pastor you can make 10 million dollars a year it's a beautiful life you know what i mean you can have a private jet like you see how all these like big time pastors are living it's like that's not nearly as hard as the life of saint benedict or saint francis or you know what i mean pope john paul ii getting shot and all this stuff so it's really crazy to think about how people also use those things as they try to they try to point to truth into theology which is oftentimes just a kind of a cover-up for I don't want to do the harder thing. Yeah, for sure. And I, that's something I talked to Kat about is like when when people would like pick out bits and pieces of the Bible and throw it at Kat and I, but it's just like just for it to fit their bill or like fit their idea. Like, right. Any part of the Bible and be like, hmm, like when does it talk about fasting? Like for this reason, I'm going to pull this out. Yeah. Or something like whatever you yeah. want it to be, like you can kind of mend it to say that. And that's when tradition helps us Catholics and like we find the truth in it. But that's such a good point because um, a lot of the pastors and a lot of the churches that we went to, um, they just do it to get whatever they're trying to get after that week or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. And yeah, stemming. You... At, oh, sorry. What no, go, you ahead. go ahead. From that, um, one of the big things that my family, my dad especially questioned was the authority piece. And, you know, obviously learning through all this, it's like, who is in authority over these pastors in these churches. Right. No one. Nobody. So they can, <laughs> like yeah. there's like over them to tell them mm-hmm. or guide them or anything. They just get to interpret it the way that they want or that how they feel God might be saying to them. Yeah. And, you know, for me, we were always told, you know, respect authority, you know, all this kind of stuff growing up. Yeah. So sense when I was entering the church, it's like, well, I respect the authority. doesn't mean that they're 100% correct, like all the time. They're human. So I have to recognize that. But God gave us this authority. And what do you, patriarchal or what is? The apostolic the succession. The apostolic succession. Mm-hmm. Well, to like trace it back the whole way to St. Paul is like, oh, what? <laughs> like, how great is that to know yeah that this is made up hey i want to be in charge i want to interpret the bible this way or the scripture a certain way yeah so yeah i i i like that part too even though a lot of people look at authority or the tradition as you know binding you or keeping you how how do i say it um kind of stuck i guess i just restrictive like i think they view it very rule bound Right. And I've seen more so that those boundaries or those traditions have actually brought more freedom because it's not something we have to fight Mm -hmm. or question. It's like, same with the abortion piece. It's like, well, no, God, (laughs) God has put this in our lives. He's, he's given it through the church. We don't have to fight it or question like, oh, is it right? Is it wrong? And now I'm battling this within myself. It's like, oh, I have so much more freedom to just say, no, like, yeah, <laughs> you can look, you can look more into it if you want to understand it more deeply, but you can just accept and give the church the benefit of the doubt, which is a beautiful thing. And I love what you talked about the popes too. I think going all the way back to St. Peter up until Pope Francis, be able to track that. I'm like, how do people deny that versus like uh, a Stephen Furtick that founded the church in 2006 uh, or whenever he found an elevation, you know, 2008, I can't remember the exact year. I think it was 08. 
Um, but just crazy to me how people, how so many times too, Protestants will be like, they question the authority or they'll be, they'll push back on like the Pope. Well, I don't like the whole Pope. And it's so, you know, the bureaucracy. And I'm like, okay, so Stephen Furry gets his way and there's, there's, I don't know how many satellites to elevation now. It, it's gotten so many, you know, it's so big. People from around the world watching online, they have the little house churches. It's like, who's the, who's the head of all that? Stephen Furtick, obviously, right? And yeah. so if they continue to have these like sub churches, like what's the difference? You know, like you have head pastors at each, each place, <laughs> just like we have bishops in, you know, each major city across the country. And we have the Pope. It's just, we have a billion people. We have like 1.2 billion Catholics, you know, versus, you know, whatever, uh, you know, 500,000 people watch Elevation Church each Sunday. It's like when you scale that high, you have to have order. When Stephen Furtick dies, Elevation is going to be done. Just like you were talking about the church, yeah. you know, with the pastor leaving. It's like that church is like, what do we do now? Like we just have a process set up so that there is continuation. And that's why it's worked for 2000 years. And nobody can compare to that, you know, and it's like that's that's what you have to do in order to keep any organization alive that long. Mm -hmm. yeah oh for sure you know it makes total sense when you actually like put time and thought into it that's <laughs> right. it and like put time and thought into it and like be willing to find because like it's one thing to like try to look for the truth but it's another thing to accept the truth so yeah 100 yeah, percent, dude so i obviously have a lot of respect uh and clay i know you guys obviously go through this battle together since you're married and i don't I want to share any details that you don't want to share about some of the political battles and pushback that you've had to have over the last two years of, of your life. Um, and yeah, I don't even know if we shared what you, what you do for a living now, but I would love to talk about that too. But um, I'm mainly curious about how did your pushback from your families when you were becoming Catholic, maybe prepare you and help you to, you know, just get more settled in into your beliefs and your values, develop that fortitude and courage that it takes to stand up in today's world, which is something that, I think like 62% of Americans are afraid to like voice their opinion on social media. And you've been yeah. pretty bold, I think, uh, not in social media necessarily, but just in your life and your example and sticking to your values. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm open to talk about what I do for a living and talk about anything. I'm an open book. Um, <laughs> so I'll, to answer your question about Kat and I and the pushback we got, I remember when I first told my parents that I was entering the church, their, their first immediate reaction was like, wait, uh, you're going to keep Jesus first, right? Like, you're, and I was like, yeah, that's why I'm in church because like, I'm going to get closer to Jesus here. And I remember that was like their first reaction. And there's been some like pushback ever since. And um, introducing Kat into the family was like a huge, okay, not all Catholics, like, <laughs> like he found a good Catholic girl, like, and they right. love, and then now we have Callum and, they're over the moon about Callum. And honestly, I still pray that there may be a return to the church for my dad. Um, I think he's open to it. And I think my mom, like seeing Kat and I and Callum and all of us live our faith uh, every day, like when they come up and they see us pray over our meals, like, okay, they're not crazy. Like they are praying and like there has been like seeds planted. So the pushback was in the beginning when I first entered the church and um, as soon as they saw who I was becoming in the church and who Christ uh, had given me and Kat for a wife, like I think there was a lot less hesitant hesitance from them. And it was more of like, okay, uh, like we can accept it slowly. They're still not all the way there. They still question a lot of stuff. Like the baptism piece was kind of, kind of crazy and <laughs> yeah. got through it though. Cause you know, sometimes the baptism in the Protestant church is like, 
when you're 15 and you, you get that altar call and you feel the Holy Spirit in your bones. <laughs> right. All right. Um, <laughs> get fully dunked. Yeah, you get fully dunked. Like when you're like literally 25 years old, like fully dunked, which is cool. Like there's that too, I guess, and the Lord works. But that was my pushback. I know Cats was, was a little more crazy and it's still evident today, but you want to go ahead and tell that. Yeah. So yeah, with my family, it was a little bit uh, crazier because it wasn't just entering the church. It was also my relationship with Clay. They did not... Um, proof of basically um because i had had previous relationships and uh, my dad had i guess a certain way of how things should be done um and we were old enough to say like we're gonna date each other and then when we get to the point where we know we want to marry each other we're gonna get engaged all this kind of stuff so we didn't really have their support um for the engagement during the engagement um and then they also were not involved in the wedding um there were a couple siblings who came and well, we did try like yeah we did but yeah. we did try like there was multiple times like we made an effort to put them like get them involved and, like I did try to get the blessing from the dad and like I kind of have like a feeling about that like I understand like respect where it comes from but I also feel like if you're a grown man and and that like I think it's the honorable thing to do is like tell him ahead of time but um I think what he wanted was like me to like it was like a really controlling feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's like trying to stay respectful when I talk about it, but um, yeah, it just didn't work out. We'll leave it yeah. at that. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Um, we talk more about that in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, so that kind of, I guess, overshadowed the me entering the church. Sure. Um, and then obviously because I kept it more, um, I guess you could say secretive or undercover um, during my conversion story. I would try to talk to my dad knowing that he was Catholic. Um, so I would ask him questions. Like I remember one phone call. I was like, Hey, what does consubstantiation mean? Like, what is that? Um, and he would tell me certain stories here and there, but other than that, it was just kind of like, he had questions. He had a question about the Pope, how I felt about that. Um, and a couple other things. I remember us walking around the circle in Florida and I was just like, you know what? Yeah. Like I, I know where I stand on this and I do believe these things and it's not all crazy to me anymore. Like what, what we grew up in. Um, so yeah. And then obviously telling them that we're getting married in the Catholic church, everything. My, my mom has come around to us, like our family, um, I haven't really talked to them about being Catholic. Um, the whole contraception thing that I brought up earlier was with my sister. She was very confused with that at first. Mm. Um, but then afterwards, like we've all had really good conversations and like me and my siblings have, have had good conversations about it, but yeah, it's not super talked about. We just kind of let things roll and play out. They're also all over the place, um, in the world. So, um, yeah, we just kind of, I don't know how to say it. It's just kind of like when we're we catch our own up. family now. Yeah, we're our own family. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. Ourselves, but yeah. yeah. That's, that was the pushback though, to answer your question. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it's so cool, you know, especially, uh, Kat, I think your example is really great for people to hear too, because I think that I, I've got, I've been blessed to see and be a part of some, uh, 
conversions, but see a good number of them uh, throughout my time as a Catholic over the last 15 years. And it's amazing how many people want to have answers to like every single question, you know? And I think it's really cool for you that it was both logical and emotional, but you're still in a place of growing. You're still learning about it. You know, you still don't have all the terminology down and like yeah. for people to see that, like, that's okay. You know, like it is a constant journey and uh, there, you're never going to know enough, right? Like there's, there's so much to learn. There's always somebody else you can get around. That's going to make you feel like you don't know anything right in the yeah. Catholic world. Cause there's just so much to know. So cool. You pointed that out because um, father Reed, who we go to um, St. Anne's we're parishioners at St. Anne's in Charlotte. And he came over when Callum was like two days old, he brought us communion and I remember he was saying a prayer upstairs in the bedroom where we all were. And um, we didn't know what, like, we didn't know we were supposed to say amen or with your spirit, whatever. And he was like, okay, forgot you guys were new Catholic. Like, <laughs> so like, I think that's like another like um, stereotype that people have of the Catholic church, like know it all robots. And like, like we're just people trying to learn every day. Right. And that's like me and Kat always tell each other, because we get around people, like you said, that are so full of wisdom and so full of knowledge that can be intimidating, but at the same time, it's like, for sure. we can learn from them. Yeah. yeah. And to be able to like have the the faith, as you mentioned earlier, Kat, of like, you know, you can trust in the church, you know, and like, even though you can't explain everything yet, you know, it, when you want to convert, it's like, I, I know that that answer is out there though, you know, and that's how I feel with so many things. I try to speak about so many things from money to politics, to the faith. And it's like, Sometimes you read something, it's like, all right, I've been kind of like convinced of this. I don't know that I'm going to remember every detail and stat that convinced me of it, you know, but you're like, I know I hold this position now and I know that I can find that answer again if I need to. Um, but it's yeah. so, yeah, it's so good to see it. And when you get to pray with, uh, you know, we just had friends over here a week and a half ago or so that stayed with me and um, I was the sponsor for the guy and then his wife converted, um, I think right before they got married, the same year they got married too, which is pretty cool. And and uh we were praying the rosary together we're like oh let's pray the rosary together and she didn't know any of the mysteries and stuff like that and like it's like that's fine you know like nobody's mad at you like they do have like you said clay like this kind of anticipation that we're going to be like what like are you even catholic you know like you're worthless <laughs> like you're just gonna get cussed out you know like a drill sergeant or something for not knowing the, the fourth luminous mystery and it's like nobody does that yeah no it's it's a growing daily thing that we are yeah. learning new stuff for sure yeah yeah and i think it's so great uh like i said uh just a ton of respect obviously in clay man i wish we had another hour to go into some of the blm stuff yeah that would be awesome so we'll, we'll that'll be a good teaser there at the end for for people to check in until the next time we record together but yeah, <laughs> you've had some great. crazy experiences i know with that and uh yeah, man. Uh, just know, know of our prayers for you in that. And um, yeah, I just want to close out with just, just thanking you guys. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories. I think you were uh, incredibly trans transparent and um, yeah, just great examples for people out there who I think many people who listen to this are either on the verge of having a deeper conversion of heart and are already Catholic, but are kind of like, you know, uh, on the, on the line about it, about really going all in and uh Others are, are Protestants who I think are have listened to me rant against Protestants pretty pretty good now. <laughs> and so are at least somewhat open to the Catholic perspective. So I think you guys yeah. are a great example for both of those crowds. So thank you. Yeah, we appreciate yeah, sure. it. Thanks thank for having you. us.
Absolutely. Yeah. So I just want to encourage everybody out there. If you are somebody that's in one of those groups, it's worth looking into. That's what one thing I've always told my Protestant friends is I'm like, the Catholic church is worth looking into. There's just too many claims. There's too many saints. There's too much history. There's too much writings on it. The fact that it survived 2000 years, at least worth looking into, you know? And so I don't know if you're going to be able to find any Scott Hahn CDs out there nowadays, (laughs) um, but there's plenty of other resources (laughs) that you can look up. Yeah, let us know. We've got. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple on the low out there in Charlotte. Uh, and if you need one, I know a guy for sure. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to encourage you guys to look for the answers to your questions, um, and and honestly and earnestly seek the truth uh, in your prayer life and in your research and things that you do. Speaking to people who can answer those questions from whatever denomination you're coming from, um, and and get the get that uh, yeah deeper knowledge on the Catholic Church. Uh, but hopefully this encouraged you and inspired you. I had a great time talking with these two. Uh, and so we hope that uh, you enjoyed today's podcast and just want to encourage you to uh, continue to fight hard, to be your best and God bless.